0: Thanks for pressing play on the Third Shift Entrepreneur podcast, where we teach you how to build your dream job while keeping your day job. I'm the show's executive producer and co-host, Iron Mike Stedman, a third shift entrepreneur with a knack for boxing, social impact and podcasting. In this episode, Todd and I discuss why we need to solve a problem, then charge forward. Solving and charging are different activities, but both are important. As third shift entrepreneurs, our job is create value and then stay curious about the market's reaction to it. No more excuses. It's time to get to work. Let's go.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Third Shift Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Todd Connor, and we're here to talk about how to start things without having to quit your job and put yourself at financial risk, which you can do. We've seen it. In our own lives. We've seen it in the lives of hundreds of other people that you can start a business from exactly the place you're at, with exactly the resources you have, with exactly the networks that you've got. It's all right in front of you. And I'm here with my my friend, my co host, Mike Stebman, to to explore some interesting facets of this idea of starting while you have your job. Mike, what's going on, buddy? What's going on,
0: Todd? How's it going, everybody? You know me, Todd. Just hustling, man. Hustling.
1: Hustling. Hustling. Isn't that the, <laughs> it's the name of the game. I was having a conversation uh, a couple of days ago and I keep saying this, but it, it continues to surprise people when you say it that quitting is not starting, you know, quitting is quitting. And we're seeing a lot of people that just, they want to get after it. Right. But their instinct is like, well, then I got to quit. I got to let go. And uh, we're trying to talk about this in totally different ways, which is, you, you know, quitting is not starting. Starting is starting. If you want to get out there and start something, start, and uh, Mike, I know you always, you're a guy that's always got a lot of irons in the fire. And, uh, you know, you were talking about just how for you, so much of this is just the pursuit of learning new things. Right. And sometimes in that pursuit, we find out that people like what we're doing, they need more of it. Right. And then we can sort of listen to that signal and grow in that direction, uh, which I know is something that you've done lots of times in your life. Yeah. One of the
0: things I'm struggling with right now is I've started a bunch of stuff and just like focusing on that and not getting distracted with other things and making those things, things better, you know, mm-hmm. and just focus, staying focused. And it's so hard for me because I'm just, I'm so not wired to do it.
1: Focus is so hard. And, um, I, I'm not wired to, <laughs> for it either. Um, and, and I think focus is a challenge that a lot of entrepreneurs face. Um, and part of being focused is like, you can do multiple things at once, but know sort of what success in any one given one of those things looks like, you know, um, I was going through this whole process the other day with Emerson house, which is the, you know, the, the bed and breakfast kind of retreat center wedding venue that we own out here in Northwest Indiana. And, um, you know, and I was thinking about, okay, this is a great venue. We're getting a bunch of weddings booked. It's all beginning to happen. But I was asking myself, what parts of this whole process still feel clunky? You know, and I just got focused. I was like, okay, it's always clunky when we ask them to sign an invoice uh, and or or execute the contract, and then get them make sure that they have an insurance policy associated with it. So, you know, I just dumb stuff, but I was like, all right, I got to make that less clunky. Okay, let's get DocuSign. Let me ask one of the people that helps us out to sort of own that part of the process. Let's have an internal Google Doc that we all put our inputs in to make sure that this, you know, whoever's coming for the wedding has executed the contract, pay the deposit let's, you know, I was always, I was tracking down invoices. I'm like, did these people pay? Oh, they paid back in 2019. Let's flag what account the money went into and just have a process to sort of solve this forever, which I feel like for that business, okay, we did some of that stuff and now I can sort of dial down my attention and move away. Um, But focus is so important, you know, and focus so that you can sort of free up time towards whatever the next key activity is. You know, and, and Mike, we were talking about this. I was struggling with um with the book and Third Shift Entrepreneur and the book launch. I'm doing a lot of this LinkedIn Live kind of conversations, and um, I'm seeing engagement kind of come down. I feel like some of the conversations are really fulfilling for me, really rich, and we're doing them every Thursday, so I know that consistency is part of this. But you know, I'm having to zoom out and be like, "What am I? What am I doing here? Like, is this achieving the goal?" And and really trying to stay focused because I could just keep pushing activity, but is the activity getting me the outcome that I'm seeking? And I think sometimes we get, you know, ultimately, I think what's hard about being an entrepreneur is you've you've got to do the activity, but you've also got to know like, am I achieving the goals that I'm I'm setting forward for myself? And um, you know, that's hard to do. I think it's hard to do if if you're an entrepreneur. I think most of us wake up most mornings wondering if we're like too focused, not focused enough, you know, doing the right set of activities. Um I don't know. I think these are hard questions to answer. Absolutely. And I
0: think we can go ahead and tie it into today's topic, which is solved in charge, because even with you in the bed and breakfast with me and podcasting and ironbound boxing and thrive and all the craziness I'm doing, clearly we found an opportunity in the marketplace. Like there was a problem we identified and we came up with creative solutions to solve it. And then we got after it. And so all the stuff we're talking about now about like maintaining and growing is after we've already taken action.
1: Hmm. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, So the, so the framework for today is solve, then charge. Um, and, and I would even add like sort of this question of like, should I, should I grow a business and then, you know, or should like, let's add to this, this question of building a brand, right? So some people think I got to go build a brand and then I can have a business. And some people think I've got to go, um, sell something and then build a business from there. And my argument is you actually need to sort of solve the problem that it is that you're trying to solve for people. And then from there, you build your business, right? And so we are talking a lot about, you know, there's a lot of people doing things on LinkedIn live or on Facebook or on social media that are maybe generating audiences for themselves. But growing an audience is not the same as solving a problem. Growing an audience doesn't help you build a business in and of itself, right? Now, it's at some point it might because you're going to convert people into potentially paying customers. But what you really need to do is know that you can solve a problem for the target customer that you've got identified. And once you do that, right, like that's the nexus of truth. That's where this all begins. That's the kernel of the thing that you're here to do in the world. And once you solve it there, then you've got a story to tell about, Hey, we solved this. And by the way, I think I can solve it for more people. And the first couple of times, maybe I do it for free, but the third time I'm going to charge you to help do it for you. And uh, and it's a way of thinking going about the world, which is like, we're not trying to build businesses. We're just trying to solve problems. And by the way, we might find that we're not that good at solving these problems. You know, we might find that we're um, we don't like doing it. Uh, We might find that it's not we don't have a repeatable process, right? Like we solved it once, but that was more about being lucky than being good. Um, But if we can solve it and prove that we solved it because of what we were able to do, now we've got the ability to just kind of go forward and say all right this next time let's charge. Um, and I think the, the the ability to charge and make money, which is sort of the genesis of a business, is so much easier when you've already you know proven that you can solve this problem which again, some of this sounds intuitive, but I, I, I think that a lot of times we get the sequence twisted. I don't know what's your experience? No I agree. And I was the king of brand guy, right
0: Like if you saw you see Ironbound, you see all my stuff right I do the photos, I do the videos. And I was, I to be honest, I was headed down that personal brand route myself, you know, with the whole Iron Mike Steadman thing. But one thing I've learned is, like you said, Todd, is like, don't focus on building a brand. Focus on, you know, creating and dominating a category that you're uniquely defined and you're uniquely positioned to bring value to, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you introduce all the other stuff, right? So like for us, with the third shift entrepreneur, right? This is a category we're focusing on. We're focusing on creating content for people that are looking to launch their ventures while still keeping their day job, right? Mm-hmm. All our content, everything we're talking about is built around that. So naturally, the branding is going to complement it, right? It's going to run in parallel to it instead of just coming out with this like, oh, here's a, a logo or here's this and here's that without actually creating content around the category we're focused on
1: yeah yeah or building an audience but an audience that maybe likes what you're doing but but for whom you you aren't going to solve a problem right so it's like if i go and build an audience of people that are happily employed um they're not interested in starting a business maybe <laughs> you know and so being clear on the audience that you're trying to serve and in getting after how you serve that audience um, you know allows for the business model to follow i'll give an example there's a uh, there's a, I love this, these kinds of stories because they're all over. If you just start looking for them in the local, you know, your local community. There's a guy out here in Northwest Indiana who uh, worked in, his name's Alan. And he's got a, he's got a thing. It's, it's a Facebook page called Local 219. And 219 is the zip code or the area code. How's that work? Yeah, area code. 219 is the area code from Northwest Indiana. And, you know, if you know Northwest Indiana, it's, you know, that it, it doesn't actually have its own Media market. You know, you've got Chicago, but Chicago's its own media market. You've got Indianapolis; that's its own media market, and then you've got like Detroit, and that's its own media market. But there isn't really a local media market for this region that you know we live in. So um, he used to work for a major uh, TV channel in Chicago, and and wanted to become like an on-air personality, and wasn't getting those same opportunities. So he goes and says, Well, I think that people in the 219, you know, area code have an interest in knowing things that are going on locally. And, uh, and he also thought, uh, that, you know, businesses want to get the word out about their businesses. And so he just, you know, basically ramped up, got some equipment, got a camera, and started going and doing stories on, and he calls it like the best of series. So, like the best of, um, two, one, nine restaurants, the best of two, one, nine hotels, the best of two one nine schools. And he would just go and do like a story on a restaurant and, and feature it and give it a review and then put it on his Facebook page. Right. And after like literally just, you know, 18 months, couple of years doing this, he's got, you know, 15,000 followers on his Facebook page and he's like this on air personality and it continues to grow by like 40% a year. And now so he solved the challenge, which was, hey, we have an area we have a region that the businesses aren't getting highlighted and the people that live in the region aren't aware of like new things that are happening in the region. So that's the problem he's solving is like, how do we highlight businesses and how do we sort of tell stories of new cool things happening, festivals, restaurants whatever happening in the area that people in the area would want to know about Be- because there's no local media market and not a local newspaper like they don't have a way to so you just built this kind of media platform on Facebook and now um, what he's what he's got because he's kind of solved that marketplace issue is tons of restaurants and uh, you know companies coming to him saying hey we want to get featured you know, or, uh, you know, can you come do a story on us, which he can charge for, right? Or it's like, yeah, like we're focusing on sponsorship or he's got an audience so we can sell ads or he's, you know, demonstrated that he's a great videographer. So you can hire him to come do videography for an event that you're having, or just create a virtual tour. And then he realized a lot of his businesses, when he was making contact with them, they didn't have websites yet. So he like referred out services to help them build websites, you know? So because he has solved the problem, now he's got the opportunity to monetize that with this platform that he's built in so many different ways. But, you know, a lot of people get after this problem in the opposite way, which is, hey, you're a restaurant, you know, pay us to come do a video highlight and I'll post it on my Facebook page. But the restaurant's like, well, you don't have a followership or how do you know it's gonna drive new sales for me? Or, you know, there's all these open questions. Um, and so if you operate with that philosophy, you just never get started. But if you operate with this philosophy of, let's just go out and solve this. And then if we're good at it, if we actually tell good stories about the restaurants, if we actually have people on Facebook that are therefore go to the restaurant because they heard about it, um, now there's lots of ways to kind of monetize, you know, that value that we're creating. But I think we gotta, we gotta adopt this mindset of, you know, solving it first and then charging it. And I think that goes back to what we talked about in the last episode
0: of this minimum viable experiences. You got to get this bait. You got to get beta customers. You got to get initial launch going because you have this idea of what you think you're solving it. Like the example you just said, like you think you're creating content for them on their social and that's what's driving it. Right. What you really might just be selling is the peace of mind. (laughs) You know, the idea that like, hey, I need to get this done. I don't have the bandwidth to do it. You're giving me a turnkey solution. That in itself is like just the biggest relief. But you don't know this because, you know, you have these assumptions. So that's why you just got to get out there and get going with this stuff. And like you said, solve it and then start taking actions and then refine it, tweak it, grow, learn, use that input, you know, and then come back to it again.
1: Yeah, I know and it's it's um it's so important because he, again and what he told me just back to this example of local 219 check him out by the way on Facebook is uh you you know what he learned from the restaurants that wanted to use him more was was interesting because some of them just wanted to have the story video asset so that they could pitch it to a major metro market for more coverage, you know? So it wasn't even about necessarily direct conversions into like people coming into the restaurant because it was highlighted. But, um, you know, they wanted the sto- they wanted the story to tell their existing customers to make them just feel better about the experience. They wanted it to leverage it for additional media. Um, they wanted to leverage it to, you know, attract new talent to come work at the restaurant. That was one of the things that, you know, people were, Hey, I heard about this and I'm looking to, you know, I'm a, I'm a chef and I'm interested in working for a better restaurant, you know, so all kinds of kind of positive things that can happen. We don't necessarily know what the customer is going to need out of it, which is why we got to go solve it, you know, and then kind of listen to what is it that people are, are whining out of this. Um, And, you know, and I think that kind of leads into this conversation of pricing. So, I mean, once you've solved it, right, then the, then the question is like, well, what do you, what do you charge for it? Um, And who's paying for it? Um, and I think that too can be something that is you know discovered, but but pricing is uh, pricing is where we go wrong, um, <laughs> where we don't really understand you know how to price against the value. Um, and I think this is a challenge for a lot a lot of entrepreneurs. And you know the the answer for like well how do you price is you got to have a strategy. Number one, it's like put something on paper so that you can know hey this works or this doesn't. Uh, and you got to go and test some of the boundaries of, of who you think is willing to pay for things. Um, you know, part of what, uh, I think you could learn to do with a company like local two one nine is, is understand the competition. So if you're the only place that people can get the word out, then like that means something that's valuable. If there's other outlets like this, then you got to look at, you know, what the competitive pressures are and what other people are charging. But, but having a pricing, knowing that you've solved it and then putting a price on it, I think it becomes hugely critical at this point. Pricing is something I still struggle
0: with, just to be honest. <laughs> you know, I keep I keep pressing. You know, like I'll charge something or you know, small throw out a number, and then that, that that's my new threshold. And then I'm like, oh, I don't go below this. And then you know, uh, you keep going up. I'll tell y'all, right? When I started Ironbound Boxing, our for profit arm, teaching uh, on site boxing classes, I was doing I would do a class for free just to get going, just to have some traction. You know, then at first I start charging like a hundred, and then before this pandemic hit, I had a client that was paying me a thousand dollars per session. I pitched him on 500. He's like, we're gonna pay a thousand. So, cause we like your mission. And that was just Mm -hmm. so mind blowing to me. But I don't know if I would have ever had enough confidence without him to even offer that much for the class. But now I'm like, thousand dollar an hour boxing instructor.
1: Mm -hmm. I know, and it's, you know, pricing is so much about our confidence. You know, it's, it's interesting to use that word, Mike, cause I think, and I think it's the right word. It's about our confidence and not our, not like our personal ego necessarily, but it's about, it's about the confidence of the value that we bring, um, vis-a-vis the options, um, you know, and I think it should kind of ratchet up. I mean, part of, you know, Pricing is like you earn leverage as you demonstrate that you're good at the thing, you know, and you take that leverage and you use it to kind of ladder up uh, and charge more, Um, you know, back to the wedding venue. I mean, yeah, we were I was like, I don't know what a wedding costs. I mean, I have no idea. I haven't (laughs) planned weddings. This isn't what we do. But we knew that people were interested. And so we offered to host some weddings and did some events for free, you know, did some events just, just to see, and then brought some brides in. We're like, what would you, you know, like, and it wasn't even like secret shopper. We just brought brides and we're like, hey, what do you think of this? And what would you compare it against? And what are they charging? It's kind of basic, right? And people just told us we're like, oh, this is a lot better because, you know, I could save money because I don't have to use your own catering and I can do this and that. And and they started putting numbers down, right? And so we use those numbers and we said, our strategy was this, Let's, we're gonna charge $6,000 for a weekend. And then once uh, the summer is halfway booked, it goes up to 7,500. And then once the summer is three quarters of the way booked, it goes up to 8,500. This is like, boom. Okay. And then we'll see, right. And then we'll see like what the upper bound is of when people stop buying. Uh, And then, you know, as the summer goes through, if we book the whole summer, then like next summer, we'll start at a higher baseline. So in some ways it's it's not rocket science, um, but our, but what we have to do, and I think this is something that, you know, we've talked about before is you've got to have it on paper, you know? And I think this is where, um, as we start to add value, we're solving this challenge. You know, we've got interest in, in our boxing, you know, training, or we've got interest in our venue for weddings, or we've got interest in our Facebook page because of the restaurants that we're highlighting. We've got to take the step of putting it on paper and putting a price against it. And maybe having some like you know, three options just to see where people kind of orient themselves, um, but that's that's we need some third thing. It can't just be conversational. It's got to be like here's something on paper that people can look at and react to and be like, oh, you know what? That's too expensive. Or yeah, I'll do the most expensive thing. Right. And that's where we get this data that helps inform us about, okay, we're on the right track or we're not on the right track. But a lot of people, they never really know when to convert from people love what we're doing to now I'm going to start charging them for it, you know, and you should, you should charge them for it and you should charge them as much as you can uh, up until the point at which they, you know, want to walk away. I mean, you know, at some point it's just doing a simple spreadsheet and, you know, putting the math on the board and seeing what makes the most money. But, um, that's the value. That's how you capture the value that you've already created. But the key is don't expect people to, to give you, uh, money, which is their value, uh, until you've really proven that, that you can kind of meet that value, that money for, for the thing that, that you've created, the value that, you know, you can offer.
0: In closing today, Todd, what do you want people to take away with this idea of solve, then charge?
1: I, you know, I want people to sort of freely pursue solutions that's your job when you're an idea stage entrepreneur it's hey I'm I've already I'm great at solving a, a given challenge I know that I can host a great wedding I know that I can highlight a new restaurant on a Facebook page and that as a result of that you know five new customers go to that restaurant the following week um, I know that I can train you know corporate teams how to Box or at least give them like great team building skills because of a one hour session that I can do. You know, you've got to have the fidelity of being really good at whatever it is that you're offering the, the solution that it is that you want to build a business around. Um, it's got to work, you know, and you've got to have testimonials of people that are like, hey, it really works first, Right. And then you get to build a business Um, and then you get to play with pricing and then you can put it on paper and say, okay, let's see, let's try to charge 300 bucks, see what happens. Um, You can ask people, you know, what would you have paid? You know, Hey, now that this transaction is done and you've only, you've paid $300, what would you have paid? Uh, I would have done four, you know, maybe, or I, I did 300, but it felt expensive. You know, 250 would have felt better. So we can just ask people, um, what their reactions are, but the key is solve it first and then charge and then let the business model follow. And, uh, don't get too wrapped up on what you think that the ultimate business model is going to be, because you just don't know yet. You don't know yet why people are liking this, what they think of as being their options. You know, you've got it in your head, but you're not going to really know until this thing is in the, is in the public domain until you're actually talking to customers. And then, uh, you know, and you'll take that data and you'll get more sophisticated and you'll continue to be uh, more um, opportunistic with with what you can charge and the business model that, you know, follows from there. Absolutely. And just get started, man.
0: That's the biggest thing. That's the if there's one yeah. thing I'll say, say to that, I've noticed so many people are talkers. Oh, I got this idea. I got that idea. But actually taking the process to get started, you know, you have to start. And if yeah. you start, you will learn and you will grow and play the long game, man. This is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> so many people get caught up in the startup, like oh, I'm going to start a business and we're going to go public, you know, three years from now. That's a very small percentage of business owners. You know, the rest yeah. of them are going to go
1: grind. You got to start. And, uh, you know, it's not at a chicken and an egg contest. It's it's. some people think, well, I can't start until I'm until someone's willing to pay me. Nope. You always go first. That's the that's the deal. That's the bet that you're making as the entrepreneur. But and so for you, it's like, I know that this is good. I know this is going to work. I'm going to prove that it works. I'm going to prove that I can drive people to come to your restaurant. Uh, and that once I do that, then I'm going to also insist on getting paid for it because I know the results speak for themselves. So yeah, that's the bet that we're making, but it's a bet that people should feel confident making because everyone who's listening to this right now. There's something that you can do that is so distinctive, so unique, so needed that uh, people want it. Right. So go out there, prove that you can do it and then, uh, know that the money is going to follow. That's the, that's the bet that you ought to make with yourself. All
0: right. So to wrap things up, I'd greatly appreciate it for those of you out there to subscribe to the Third Shift Entrepreneur podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever listening service you're using today. Your reviews are greatly appreciated. Be sure to visit thirdshiftentrepreneur.com where you can purchase the book, sign up for our newsletter, and hear tips and pointers that will help you keep your day job while building your dream job. You can also purchase the book on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and other major book outlets. Until next time, everyone, have a great rest of your week. And on the next episode, we'll be discussing climbing ladders versus hopping lily pads.